0: You know, I, I'm starting to realize that, that I, I'm getting older. Um, Cassie and I are going to be celebrating 20 years of being married. And uh, when we when we first started dating, this was a little while back, um, we met in 1995. And uh, so, was it three? Oh, yeah, 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 93. Yeah, we got married in 96, so it's okay. See, I'm getting old. Um No, we met, actually, Cassie, it was 92. It was 92, so, ah, I got you. Um, But I remember we were at separate colleges, and one of the things that we did, because we didn't, this is sad, um, we didn't have cell phones, we couldn't text, um, email was just starting. We had to write handwritten letters to each other. Handwritten letters to each other. Love letters. She actually pulled out some of the old love letters, the poems. But uh, in, in, in our handwritten letters, you know, you always would sign it at the end, correct? You know, and so I would always, you know, say, love, love you deeply. or um, And, and if, if you would write letters now, you know, typically it would be sincerely, thank you, yours truly, and then you put your name, right? You always close out with that. Well, now we've got email. Email's great, you know, and so you, you write up your letter, and you still need to close it out. You need to put that, you know... Thank you, sincerely, or whatever. But email got smart. The auto-signature. A bunch of you are nodding your heads. You know what I'm talking about. You don't even have to do that anymore. You don't have to write. It just says automatically, thank you so much, comma, Andrew Pennington. You know, and it has all the information that you want. You don't even have to think about it. it makes you wonder when you get something from people now. It's like, did they really type that out? I just want you to know. So I actually close most all of my, my emails out with grace and peace. And I I write it every time because I don't want to forget what that means. But it's really tempting to save time to just throw that tag on there, that that auto signature. Think about when you pray. How do you close out your prayers? What do we typically say? In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I'm honest, that that just is part of the routine. I don't always stop and think about what that means and why that's so significant. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is going to tell us exactly why we close our prayers in his name. When we finish a prayer and say, in Jesus' name, Amen. That is a rich, beautiful, significant statement that we don't want to just have as an auto signature at the end of our prayers. We're in the book of John, in John chapter 16. Uh, We're going to be in verses 16 through 33, and I'd like you to pull your Bibles out. Um, We don't have projection today, and I really would like you to have Scripture in front of you so you can see uh, what we're talking about John chapter 16. So it's, uh, it's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Would really encourage you, if you got the, the electronic Bible, pull that up. That's fine too. Um, John chapter 16. Just a little bit of background. So we're in the upper room before Jesus is arrested and crucified. It's really important that we put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. Remember, this is a real thing that's taking place. These are real people experiencing this. And I, I feel for these guys. This is a really confusing time. They don't have all of, of Scripture put together the way we do. You know, we've got all the New Testament. So we read some of these things and we're like, why are you guys so confused? What are you worried about? And it's like, because we, we have all the rest of Scripture that's so clear for us. But these guys are living at real time. They've got their Old Testament, they know the promises of the Old Testament. But this is a really unique time for them. Last week, Albert actually preached from the very same passage that we're going to, to be reading through. We're in the upper room. Jesus is telling the disciples that, that pretty soon he's no longer going to be with them. And he's explaining that the resurrection from the dead and his ascension back to heaven is with the Father is going to usher in a, an amazing new reality. Where God's people will have God's spirit within them. that the Spirit is going to bring them a new clarity of understanding, and it's going to bring about a new intimacy with the Father. And it's in this context that Jesus tells the disciples about prayer. And it's not just true for the disciples, it's true for all believers who live after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, this morning we're going to see that the gospel changes everything. Hashtag Jesus changes everything. It's going to be the basis for our prayer. It's going to shape our prayer. And it's going to bring about a deep joy. So let's go to the the, the passage here. We're not going to, when we unpack this, we're only going to look at a few verses. But I want us to have the whole context. So Matthew, Matthew, John chapter 16, starting in verse 16. It says, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is that that he's saying to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the father. So they're saying, what what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. And so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I mean by saying a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. Before we uh, we get into this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, come before you and um, Father, just aware of desperate neediness. Um, yeah. Father, aware that um, Jesus really has changed everything. Jesus, you are the reason that we have access to come to the Father now to ask. And um, so God, we, we pray that you would open our eyes to see your truth. We pray that you would open our eyes to see all that you want us to see about you, about your spirit, about your son, about ourselves. And Father, that it would change us. That it would transform us. And Jesus, um, we pray this prayer in your name. We're going to talk more about what that means. But I'm so thankful that if we can pray in your name. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. (laughs) Amen. So we're going to look at three things. First, the basis for prayer. How the gospel creates a new intimacy with God. I was telling you, so on Wednesday... Cassie and I will celebrate 20 years of wedded bliss. Amen. You know, I remember when Cassie and I stood before God and our pastor, and uh, it was incredible. And Albert, you you used this illustration when you preached on this passage of of marriage that suddenly Cassie and I went from being two separate people into this, this marriage union of one, and just like that. Like our, our relationship was totally changed in the blink of an eye. into to this new reality that we got to experience a brand new relationship and a brand new intimacy. You see, July 20th, 1996 brought in a, a brand new day for us. and And Jesus is saying here that there's a new day for the disciples that's coming. If, if you look back at verse 23, he says, In that day, you will ask nothing of me. And he says in verse 26, In that day, you will ask in my name. What in the world is this day that he's talking about? Like, I can think back to the day when Cassie and I got married and how that changed everything. But what is this day that Jesus is talking about? Well, Albert talked about last week is that, you know, we're part of, of a story. We're part of, of God's redemptive saving plan. Okay? And, in, and there's different stages or different seasons within that. When Jesus came, when he stepped down out of heaven to this earth, that ushered in what we call the messianic age. You know, the age of Messiah. Jesus is now here. The Old Testament had been looking forward to that promised time. And Jesus was now there. That's the messianic age. But see, Jesus isn't going to stay here on earth. He says to the disciples, I'm going to die for you. And then you're not going to see me. Then I'm going to come back and you're going to see me. But then I'm going to actually go back to the Father. And when I go back to the Father, I'm going to send the Helper, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. That's the day that he's talking about here. The day when after he has ascended back into heaven. And then the the disciples and all those who have faith are waiting for the moment that the spirit is poured out. And Jesus says in that day, the day when the spirit is poured out and now comes and dwells within you. It's a game changer. It's a whole new day. It's a whole new day. And and what we refer to that as is the church age. Guess what? We're living in that day. We're part of it. How incredible is that? So it's in that day that Jesus is talking about. Now, for for the disciples, they're waiting for that. They're going to experience it, but at the time that they're hearing this, they're waiting for it. So what happens in that day? Let's go back to verse 23. He says, "In that day you will ask nothing of me." That's really weird. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay, so Jesus, once the spirit's come, I- I'm not going to ask you anything. There's two words. We're going to see the word ask show up in this passage a couple times. There's two ways that it can be be taken. This ask is referring to questions. So there's you can ask for like, hey, can you give me something? Could you do something for me? There's this request. But then there's this asking of, I'm kind of confused. Could you please explain this to me? The ask that Jesus is talking about here is about asking questions. Asking questions of Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, in the day, When the Spirit now comes, after I have already died and raised from the dead and gone back to heaven, and the Spirit lives within you, you're going to have the most incredible aha moment. The fog is going to clear, and you're going to understand in a way that you didn't before. But think about, even in the passage we just read, the disciples are like, what's he talking about? I'm a little confused. What do you mean when you say you're going to be here for a little while and then you're going to be gone and then you're going to come back? And All throughout, the disciples were having these questions and their heads are starting to spin and they're going to face even more confusion and more questions when Jesus is crucified. Was this Messiah? What's really happening? I don't get this. We've given all our lives to this and now he's gone. Oh, but when they see him risen from the dead and then the Spirit of God comes upon them, they're going to say, I get it. He is the Messiah. He is the way to be brought back to the Father. Jesus did conquer sin and death, and He's putting all things back together the way they're supposed to be. He rose from the dead. He's all that He said He was. It's making sense now. How incredible. Jesus says, In that day, the fog will clear and you're going to understand. See, for the disciples, that happened 40 days after Jesus went back to heaven on the day of Pentecost when the spirit was poured out. For us as Christians, it happens the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus and the spirit comes to live within us. I mean, isn't that true for you that if you're a believer in Jesus this morning here, you probably had a wrestling your faith and trust in Jesus and suddenly there was just a peace there became an understanding of things that you didn't really grasp before this doesn't mean that like you suddenly you have all answers and that you don't need you're not going to have any more questions that's not what he's talking about here doesn't mean that you're also not going to doubt and say man Jesus are you really who you say you are but there's going to be this clarity of Jesus I think sometimes when we've grown up in the church, it can be hard because we know so much about God. But I know for some of uh, the the teens and the singles that are here, you you can really get this. Because there was a time when you said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about Jesus. Ah, But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and the Spirit of God came to you, suddenly your eyes were opened to see, wow, Jesus, you really are the Christ you're beautiful. You're worth everything. You're worth following. That's what he's talking about here. God opens our eyes, and suddenly some of the questions have been quieted. But Jesus then shifts gears in his next statement. He says, as a result of this new age, not only are you going to have a new clarity and understanding about me, but you're now going to have a new relationship with With your father in heaven. Look at verse 23. The second part. He says okay. In that day. When the spirit has now come and dwells in you. You will ask nothing of me. You have this clarity and understanding now. And he says truly truly. I say to you. Whatever you ask of the father in my name. He will give it to you. Now he switches. So rather than this asking of of questions. Suddenly it's now asking requests. God would you please do truly truly says that's their way of saying I tell you the truth you can bank on this guys in that day you're going to get direct access to the God of the universe who spoke the world into existence who brought you here who holds all things together and he's going to hear your prayers and he's going to answer them that's incredible That's incredible. But how? What's so different now in this new age that's going to allow God to hear our prayers, give us access to him, and then he's going to answer those prayers? Well, let's drop down to verse 26 and 27. 26, it says, In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that you will ask the Father on... I do not say to you that I will ask the father on your behalf for the father himself loves you because you loved me and believed that I came from God. Jesus says, look, I'm not going to ask on your behalf. Whoa, Jesus, what do you mean? You're not going to go to the father on my behalf and ask. He says, no, I don't have to take your request to God. You get to go directly to God. You don't have to have a go-between right now, because I've created a way. You know, when I was in school, you know, we're meeting in a high school cafeteria. Remember back to school when um, you had the the go-between, the, the one who would carry the message. It was particularly common when when you were interested in somebody. You know, because it's like I didn't want to, you didn't want to go to that person directly. So it would be like, hey, hey, Joe, would you go over and ask Cassie if she thinks I'm cute? Goes over. Hey, Cassie. So that guy Andrew over there, you know, he he thinks you're kind of cute. What do you think about him? Oh, you think he's really cute? <laughs> Why are you guys laughing at that one? Um, so, you know, and then it's like, well, do you think she she'd like to go on a date with me? All right, I'll go out. You know, and runs over and you know. So there's this go between, back and forth, back and forth. And Jesus is saying, look, you don't need a go between. Well, you do need a go between. I was that go-between. I took care of that gap. And Tim Abel, thank you so much for your, your communion meditation because he unpacked all that so well for us this morning. All that would separate us from the Father has now been taken care of through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying, look, guys, you get to go straight to God now. You get to go straight to God. Now, this does not mean that Jesus doesn't intercede or, or go to the Father on our behalf. We have other passages of Scripture that talk about that, that Jesus is sitting there now talking to the Father on our behalf. But Jesus is saying here, like, but your prayer requests, you can come directly to the Father. It's just, there's not a need for Jesus to carry those prayer requests because you have direct access to the Father now. And it's because of verse 27. For the father himself loves you because you have loved me. He's referring to himself, Jesus, because you loved me and believe that I came from God. It's faith, right? It's faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason that we now have access to the father. Did you notice that in every instance where Jesus tells the disciples that they're going to get to talk to the Father, they're going to get to ask from the Father, he always says you're going to do so in my name. He even says up until now, you haven't done this. You've not gone to the Father and asked for things in my name. What Jesus is saying here is that in and through me, through my life, my death, my resurrection, you will now have unhindered direct, personal access to the Father. You have the joyous certainty that the Father will answer your prayers because of my victory that I went on the cross. And so when you go to the Father in my name, what you are doing is you are pleading the merits of my sacrifice. That's what we're doing when we pray in Jesus' name. When we close our prayers in Jesus' name, we're saying that, God, the reason that we are able to come to you, to you, our Heavenly Father, is because of Jesus' worthiness and his sacrifice on our behalf. How incredible. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. Because he's the one who's made a way. But, you know, even though we have this intimacy and access, do you ever feel like when you're praying, it's like you're just talking to a wall? <laughs> are you just like praying in the air and you're just wondering? God, do you, do you really listen? There are times when it feels that way. But because of in Jesus' name, because of the sacrifice on our behalf, He's broken down every barrier between you and the Father. And so when you call out, the blood of Jesus guarantees that God will hear prayers it gives us confidence to go to God and expect that he would hear our lowly prayers Man, especially have you ever felt like how can I go to God when I'm such a mess how can I go to God why would he listen to me when I've blown it so many times when I've rejected him when I've failed him because of in Jesus name that's why That's why we can go in confidence to Him. That's why we can believe that He's going to answer the prayer. You see, we don't get to talk to God because we're so worthy. We talk to God because Jesus is worthy. And then He gave His worthiness to us so that we're clothed in it, so that we have this unhindered access to the Father. In Jesus' name. That's the basis for our prayers see, the gospel doesn't just create the basis for our prayers. It also shapes the focus of our prayers. So point number two, the focus of our prayer. The gospel creates a new desire in our prayer. So so what are we supposed to pray for? I mean, the Bible gives us a ton of freedom. A ton of things that we can talk to God about. The reality is we can talk to him about anything. But this passage... Jesus is giving us a specific focus for the prayers. Again, many, many things we can pray about. Our our requests, we can praise God. But there is something specific that God is calling us to pray for here. And it's tied back to that same phrase, in my name. So when Jesus says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. To pray in Jesus' name, yes, it means he's our access to the Father. But it also means that we're going to pray for things that are consistent and in line with all that's true about Jesus. We're praying prayers that fit with Jesus' character and his will, all his plans, his objectives. So it's like, okay, well, it says if I ask anything in his name, he will give it to me. So I'm going to pray for a million dollars. And God's going to give it to me, right? Because it says, if you ask, he will give it to you. Let me ask you, is that in Jesus' name? Well, you might say, well, I prayed it in Jesus' name. But is that in line with all that Jesus is and all that Jesus is doing? Maybe it is. Maybe it is in line with him. Because your desire is to glorify him and your desire is to use all that money. But oftentimes, that's usually rooted in some selfishness. It's usually about our kingdom, not his kingdom, when we ask that kind of prayer. That's not in line with Jesus' name. Think about when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. He said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, in Jesus' name means that our desire, our prayers are that God's name would be high and lifted up. Hallowed be your name. That we want to see the Father glorified, honored. Praying in Jesus' name means that we long for God's kingdom to come. That he would reign in the lives of people here on earth. That things would be restored to the way that God intended life to be. Where we enjoy God, where we trust God, where we walk in his good ways. We're praying for his will to be done. See, those are the things that he's talking about here. If you ask any of those things of the Father, he promises he'll answer those. You can be guaranteed. It's like, really? Anything? That's in line with you Jesus The Father will answer There was a a book in 1994 That was called Built to Last Successful Habits of Visionary Companies And these two guys coined a phrase Big, hairy, audacious goals Big, hairy, audacious goals Now, Now first off I don't know why anybody would ever refer to a goal like that. A big, hairy, audacious goal. Sounds like a big animal that's going to chase me and kill me. But what they were saying is, you need to come up with bold, shocking, seemingly impossible goals. Too often, our goals are so small, so come up with these big, audacious goals for your company. You know what Jesus is saying here? I want you to pray some big, hairy, audacious prayers. I want you to pray bold, shocking, seemingly impossible prayers that fit with who I am and what I'm doing. Things like that God would break the chains of a sin that you never thought you could overcome. Do you have faith? Go pray a bold prayer to the Father like that. What about prayers of salvation? I've shared with you numerous times about my grandfather who I prayed for every day as a little child. And then there came a season where I'm just like, you know what? I just don't think my grandfather's ever going to come to know Jesus. And I got discouraged. But I just kind of kept praying, kept praying, kept praying. My grandfather died at 93 years old. And close to his death. My understanding is that he put his faith and trust in Jesus. He was a hardened man. He, he didn't want anything to do with God. When he found out that I was going to be a pastor, he he wasn't real happy. Let's say that. That was a, a seemingly impossible prayer. But let me ask you, is the prayer of salvation for somebody in line with who Jesus is and what he's doing? Yes. Now. And, got to be careful because I can't promise that God's going to answer that prayer, when he'll answer that prayer, how he'll answer that prayer. But he says, look, I want you to come and ask. I want you to come and ask that we would have grace to forgive those who sin against us, to extend grace and mercy rather than spite and judgment. Man, that's an audacious prayer. God, give us spiritual eyes to see the spiritual needs around us. God, use us to be a light and a witness to each other and to those who are lost God, be glorified through us, whether we're living or whether we're dying. What about a prayer that God would bring many to salvation here in Frederick? It's an audacious prayer. But he says, I want you to come and ask. I want you to pray these kinds of prayers. Let me ask you, what are the big audacious prayers that God is calling you to pray for? In Jesus' name, those things which line up with who Jesus is and what he's doing. I want to grow in my prayers so that I'm filled with prayers that say, God, be glorified no matter what. I want us to be filled with prayers that call out that his kingdom would come. I want to call out that in Christ that we're a people who boldly pray that according to the riches of his glory, he would grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. What are the prayers that God is calling you to pray, believing that the Father will answer because they are completely in line with who Jesus is and what he's doing? And Jesus just says, I don't want you to just do that every once in a while. Look at verse 24. He says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That word ask, it's a command. And it's in the present tense. It means, I'm telling you, you need to ask and you need to keep on asking and you need to keep on asking and you need to keep on asking and we have the promise that all of heaven's riches all of heaven's treasures all of heaven's divine purposes all of God's grace and power is available to us if we ask that which honors Jesus how incredible think about that what is available to us as believers in Jesus Christ because of Jesus's name What is available to us? So then why don't we? What keeps us from praying these kind of prayers? I think sometimes it's because I have such a little view of God. God, can you really do this? Sometimes I have a small view of God's kingdom and what he's about. Because I'm so busy with my little kingdom and what I'm about. And unfortunately, then my prayers start to become about me. And about my wants. And God's okay with those. Nothing wrong with praying those kind of prayers. He calls us to pray those things. But I begin to, to get so focused on me and the things around me that I lose focus of, of his kingdom. And so my prayers don't reflect the kingdom. Sometimes I don't even think about praying. You know what? Life is good. I don't even really need God. It's just so tempting to just lean on myself. I can't tell you the number of times where it's like, sit down, it's like, all right, let's work on the sermon, and it's just like, you start going, and it's like, oh, maybe maybe I should pray. <laughs> maybe you've had times like that, too, where you just, you look back, and you're like, man, why didn't even I stop and think about praying? Maybe you wonder, like, is prayer going to make a difference? Why pray? Sometimes I wonder, does it even work? You know, and maybe you're in a season where it feels like God's not answering your prayers and that's hard and honestly that's a very complicated area to get into because there's so many factors to this. Uh, James 4 tells us says you desire and you do not have so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay so got to ask. It says you ask and do not receive because you wrongly you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. See sometimes The prayers that we're praying are really rooted in ourselves. They're not in Jesus' name. So then I can't expect God to always answer those. James Boyce once said, Much modern prayer, even by serious Christian people, is useless and ineffective because the people involved approach God thinking he's obligated to grant their request because of something they themselves have done for him. See, that's not in Jesus' name. God, I did this, so now you have to do this for me. You know, are we bargain. God, if you do this, I'll do this. No. God, because Jesus did this, I now pray for these kind of things. You know, sometimes we're not even sure what to pray. Praise God. Remember, because we're in that day. We're in this church age where the Spirit lives within us. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, when I don't even know what to pray, the Spirit's doing it for me. In Jesus' name. Got to be honest, this was a this was a hard week for me, and and honestly, even coming into this passage, I struggled with wanting to preach. Um, I um. I just felt off. It's a good biblical word, right? <laughs> I don't know what it was. I just felt off. I just felt kind of low, a little down. Um, then, tragically, on Monday. Um, Dear girl, she and I shared the same birthday. She was the flower girl in our wedding. She died tragically. Horrible death. So honestly, I didn't really want to pray. It's like, I know all these things are true, God, and I know you're there for me, but I just don't really feel like coming and talking right now. I found it harder to have faith that God would answer my prayers. I kept praying, God, how are you going to meet me for this? God, I think these are, you know, prayer for help for a sermon, prayers for, for how people will receive this sermon. God, those are in line with Jesus. You want your truth, but man, I just, it's a struggle right now. I just had to walk in faith. I had to remember that, okay, it's in Jesus's name. I don't feel it but I'm going to trust it. And it's just incredible how God meets us and answers us. Just this morning, I pop open my, my little devotional, and it talks about how the disciples, the apostles, these very people that we're talking about, proclaimed Jesus with boldness and power, but it wasn't because of them. It's because of the grace of God that was being poured out. And I was just like, okay, God, your grace is going to be poured out. See, Jesus is calling us to ask the Father that we would walk in faith and that we would ask. And what a stunning promise that whatever you ask of the Father in his name, he will give it to you. Ask and you will receive. That leads us to our last point, is that the gospel creates a new joy in our prayer. See, Jesus says, Not just ask and you will receive, but he says, do so that your joy may be full. Jesus is talking to these disciples to pray these bold, shocking prayers. Kingdom-oriented prayers in the face of the most horrific events that are about to occur. Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus is telling the disciples, you guys are going to walk a road filled with suffering. This is not going to be an easy path. The world is going to rejoice when they see me dead. And you're going to have a lot of pain and sorrow. And you're going to face tribulation. But Jesus says, I want you to know something. Your joy is not tied to any of these circumstances of life. You see, your joy is tied to this new relationship that I've given to you with the Father. Look at verse 22. He says, You will have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take that joy from you. You see, you now have this intimate relationship with the Father that nothing can separate. And as you experience that relationship with your father, that is going to bring fullness of joy. And he says, and you know what? Just watch my father answer your prayers. And when you watch my father answer your prayers, you're going to be filled with even greater joy. And isn't that what we see with the apostles? Man, these guys are getting beaten. And they're like, praise God, we're worthy to suffer for Jesus's name. Because it's all true. Jesus is the Messiah. Man, they watched Jesus fulfill all that he said he would do. They watched the Father answer their prayers, and it filled him with joy. Paul Miller and a Praying Life. Um, it, this is a fantastic book, and I highly recommend you pick up a copy of it if you don't have it. There are a couple copies left at the bookstore. He talks about prayer much more broadly than the specific prayer that we're talking about today. But I thought this was so wise. Paul Miller says, you don't create intimacy. You make room for it. Jesus created the intimacy for us. But if we're going to enjoy it and experience it, we have to make room for it. So let's enjoy this relationship that Jesus has bought for us. Let's go to the Father asking things that are in line with Jesus glorified, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, believing that it's because of the blood of Jesus that God will hear those prayers and answer those prayers. Let's pray.